you are listening to Queer Voice with your host, Michael Aaron Gossidis. We are living in queer times. Hello and welcome, and thank you for tuning in to Queer Voice from VGP Media. My name is Michael Aaron Casadis, and I am a poet, author, and amateur commentator broadcasting to you from deep in the heart of Texas. Queer Voice is being presented on Anchor FM, and I encourage you to go back into our archive and take a listen to Queer Voice Season 1. While Season 1 covered political and current events from a queer perspective, Season 2 will focus more on queer-centric and LGBT issues and events. For those of you interested in hearing my views globally speaking, I am developing another podcast for a general audience, but I also co-host on a podcast called Q&A-Holes, and you can check that out at qandaholes.weebly.com. And for those of you interested in my literary endeavors, you can visit my website at therootofmanyreturns.com and also tune into the Root of Many Returns literary podcast here on the VGP Media channel. If you are tuning into Queer Voice, you've reached the long-awaited season two of the show, where I've reformatted the podcast from a broad and general view on politics and world events presented from the perspective of a gay conservative or libertarian point of view to a now-specific and tailored type podcast. I want Queer Voice to focus on the important issues that the LGBT community faces in the news and in current events, with the caveat that the perspective remains conservative, libertarian, constitutional, and classic liberal. The Republican conservative Queer Voice is a voice all too often overlooked and ignored, but as this election year progresses, it is a voice many are finding to be abundant and loud and a voice that's not going away. Many are having to acknowledge a base for President Donald Trump in things like hashtag gays for Trump, hashtag LGBT Trump, and the provocative hashtag LGBTQ anon. I find many of the LGBT community are not so much turning to the conservative and Republican parties for political reasons, so much as the party of, of tradition for these minorities no longer resonate with their ideals and principles, and have shunned them for daring to think differently from what their party thinks, or have proven themselves to be hypocrites amid support for such violent groups as Antifa and the BLM, or Black Lives Matter movement. No longer a party of inclusion and tolerance, the Democrat Party, the Progressive Party, the Liberals of 2020 have caused many minorities, including those of the LGBT community, to hashtag walk away from the Democrat Party and turn in favor of conservative ideals and embrace President Donald Trump as a true patriotic president that is working for the people unlike any president has in most of our lifetimes. What you can expect from Queer Voice is LGBT news and events, but also analysis of aggregated news from such revered publications as The Advocate, Out Magazine, and The Washington Blade. But 
Before I get into all that, I'd like to share with listeners my personal coming out story. That is to say, my coming out as a gay Trump supporter, as it has proven to be something more difficult than actually coming out as a gay man. The story of my coming out as a homosexual male in the year 2000 is a very sensitive story. Just kidding, folks. My story of being gay and coming out isn't that sensitive or that dramatic. Um, I think I was very fortunate growing up um, in the state of Texas, as some people have put it, uh, this redneck, conservative, Republican, staunch, anti-homosexual state of Texas really was not that way. I grew up in the liberal beltway of Texas that is extending from San Antonio up through Austin, Interestingly, uh, gerrymandered for a Democrat by the name of, I was going to say Lou Dobbs, but Lou Dobbs is my hero. No, uh, the Lloyd Doggett to have uh, controlled for so many years uh, that you wouldn't necessarily find so much anti-homosexual rhetoric in the area as much as... uh, you know, acceptance or tolerance of it. That's not to say because it's a liberal area that uh, it was more accepted and tolerated, but that is to say for sure that it wasn't as hard to be homosexual and out in this area. I've heard uh, certain people who just want attention say that they couldn't walk down the street holding their boyfriend's hands without being bullied or having someone say something to them, but that's just not the case unless maybe you're up in the west, western areas, maybe the panhandle, maybe really far south towards Mexico or possibly even in some of the sketchy areas of Dallas or Houston. I think you might deal with some of those types of problems, but... I came out at a very young age, and I came out unintentionally. Um, I am a twin, and my brother is also gay. And uh, I won't tell his story because it's not mine to tell, but needless to say, he came out before I did. And I came out by incident, having had a boyfriend in my high school years, and uh, being discovered one morning by my mother um interestingly enough my mother of my two parents was the one who was more indisposed to disagree with that lifestyle I guess you could say but um the saving grace of my mom is that she learned and I often joked that my mom had two gay sons because God wanted to teach her what real love was and what unconditional love was, and that was the reason why she was fated. 
karmatically to have two gay sons. Um, looking back, I really don't think that I had as much opposition coming out being a gay person as it always seemed that people tended to know I was gay before even I knew I was gay. I think when I was younger, it was harder when I was confused and I didn't really know what it was that I wanted and I sought things to kind of fit in with my friends or fit in with the crowd. But even then, I think my friends knew before I knew that I was a member of the LGBT community, even if we couldn't identify what that really was. Reception from my family, my friends and colleagues. My father was very accepting. He knew that, you know, regardless of what I was or what my brother was, that we were still his sons and we were still family. And he wouldn't have put us out. Like I said, my mom was a different story, but she learned to accept, if not approve, of my choice in life. And I don't think she needed to approve of it. And I didn't need her to approve of it. But just to know that she was open-minded and she still embraced me and loved me as her child was good enough for me to know that my mom was uh, willing to willing to be open and keep her heart open, not just to me, but to other people. And I think, honestly, it helped her more in her spiritual and religious beliefs to know exactly what unconditional love was and to kind of practice what she preached. So I wouldn't say that I really faced any challenges like some people say they have. And that's not to say that there haven't been challenges for those out there. I don't think I've really faced discrimination. I don't open myself up to that type of reality. I don't fear people discriminating against me because of my life choices. I don't fear people looking at me differently or treating me differently because of the choices I've made. I've always valued people for their character and I've always valued people for who they are. And, you know, goddamn any other personal choice or goddamn any unchosen path that they they take or they're given that is to say gender or race I don't think that we I don't think that we should succumb to that and I definitely don't think and I don't subscribe to the victim mentality because of that and I think because that's the way I think I've never really faced any type of opposition and if I have I've always just let it fall off like water off a duck's back to borrow the phrase of a once favored but now shunned pedophile anyways I don't want to get off into that but politically speaking I've uh, never really I've never really subscribed to the issue of politics I've never really played party politics 
I grew up in an apolitical family. I grew up in a family that did not focus on politics at all. So I really had no idea of what politics were growing up. I had no idea what politicians, I had no idea what political parties. I didn't understand anything about it. I knew that I was in the United States of America. I knew that I was in the land of opportunity and land of the free, but I never understood what that meant. I never understood what that meant until I was much older. I didn't have a fathom of an idea what it meant to be American, what the idea meant to the people who founded this country, the people who fought for this country, and the people who still believe in what the American dream was. I think because of the way that I was raised that that was probably more of a blessing for me because in being that way I was able to figure it out on my own through my own research and I was able to discern for myself what that meant for me so that you know I could be 21 or 22 and have no idea what my political party was and have um old rich white republican lady ask me where i stood and when i was unable to answer she would simply say well you're probably a democrat and now i can only assume that was because i was mexican hispanic latino and gay and young and working in a blue collar job that she could say that I held no anguish and I held no resentment towards that lady even looking back now I think in her own ignorance she showed me how party lines have divided minorities and party lines have sectioned off and quarantined for lack of a better term, certain groups of individuals into certain parties. And even in her claims of my own political means, she showed me that that myth was true. But when I really started to research and figure out what these ideas meant to me, I realized quickly that the Democrat Party sound great. It sound like the party you would want to be a part of. It sound like the party that was inclusive. It sound like the party that looked up, looked after the little man, that looked after the blue collar worker, that looked to take care of individuals and take care of people and cared for them. And that the Republican Party was clearly the party of the rich man and the party of the white man and the party that discriminated and didn't like minorities. That's the way it seemed. But the further I looked, the more I realized that my personal ideals, my personal convictions, my, my personal moral compass didn't sway to this grandiose and great idea of the liberal love humanity love the world idea I couldn't figure out what it was it seems more like those ideas which are great this this idea of 
one love, one world, no borders, no countries. We are human. We are one race. They were great ideas. But the more I looked into it, the more I saw that those ideas were not the ideas of that party or those people anymore. But rather, they had been taken and hijacked by something else. And only the people that came around every four years, only the people that blindly parroted what they saw on television, followed those ideals. And they really didn't understand how what they believed had been stolen from them and was being used to another end. Needless to say, I, uh, I really aligned with libertarian ideas. I really aligned with the classical liberal, you know, the idea that it's still good to have your guns for self-protection. I aligned more with conservative ideals. And that's just in banking and finance, to say the least. But my main concerns were how such things as a central bank or the Federal Reserve had tricked the people into this debt slavery and how it had cheated us out of life and devalued our currency basically by printing money that had no value and the only way we could pay back the debt we owed them was to print more money which was obviously a never-ending circle i get ahead of myself but that's where i fell and um the libertarian was really the party that i lined with mostly once i had my political awakening keep in mind though i never subscribed to a political party it was always about the candidate's character and their voting record. That's what I focused on. As for the Democrat Party today and how they kind of hold the LGBTQ community by the reins, I really think it's ridiculous. I really wish that the people in my community would wake up and that they wouldn't just parrot what they see on TV, parrot what they see in their choice, you know, star chamber, echo chamber, but that they would actually look and do research. I'm very heartened to know that there are a lot of people who are waking up in the gay community. I'm very, very excited to see that there are so many of us out there and that we're coming out of the closet again. <laughs> it's kind of funny just because it's been hard to represent myself as a Trump supporter, because I am, and it's been harder to do so than it was to come out as a gay man. I've faced opposition from Latinos, I've faced opposition from Democrats, and I've faced opposition from the gay community. I've been threatened by the gay community, I've been threatened with physical violence, I've been told that I should be dead, I've been told that I would be hurt if, you know, I continued to be a Trump supporter and I was vocal about it. And right away, I can tell you that it just 
sent me into a tailspin of hypocrisy thinking about these people and thinking about how they want to be inclusive and thinking about how they want to have tolerance and thinking about how they just want to be understood and thinking about how they just want their viewpoint out there and they just want to be themselves but when you have someone that doesn't agree with what they think the worldview should be and the way they think that the community should behave they're very quick to turn on you and they're very quick to bring violence and wish death on you now i know that sounds very dramatic but if you just look at the television at the news and you look at it for what it is and you don't pay attention to what the pundits are saying you can clearly see that movements like antifa and blm those are not peaceful protests and these are the people that are instigating riots and these are the people that are causing violence and these are the people that are bringing death to the streets and they are the ones who are drawing blood i don't understand why the community can't see that so anyways i am an out and proud trump supporter and gay i have several reasons for supporting trump I could get into some of the policies of Trump that I support, but that really wasn't what drew me to him. I was a Rand Paul supporter. He was my dog in the race at the time, and I was a staunch Ron Paul supporter at the time. But in retrospect, I think that probably some of the Paul's policies might have hurt the government more or hurt the people of the United States more in the end because I don't believe they would have finessed their way into their policies the same way that President Trump has. President Trump in a lot of ways has some of their same core ideas and policies about limited government and limiting the money that we spend and the taxpayer money that is wasted on government agencies and government projects and the likes. But he's been able to he's been able to stop the funding or to deregulate in a manner that would not affect the people in the way that I think the Paul's policy would have so I thought Donald Trump was a ringer for the Clintons I thought Donald Trump was there to uh, run up against Hillary and then kind of throw in the towel and throw the race to her that's what I thought but then there was a lot of opposition against Donald Trump and then there was a lot of people hammering out against Donald Trump and speaking out and yelling and getting louder and louder. And I kind of wondered why so much heat was being thrown on him. And that really caused me to kind of look into what was really going on. 
And it seems that the Trump family may have been a sleeper cell of patriots for the patriots. And he was activated at the last possible moment before our country was finally and irrevocably put out to dry. And a lot of that happened under the Obama administration. But that's not to blame solely Mr. Barry Sotero. The Obama administration was kind of just finishing the job and had Hillary gotten in, she would have sealed the deal. But it's something that had been going on probably since, well, realistically speaking, in the annals of history, going back through all the presidents that we've had in the United States, the last real president we had was John F. Kennedy, and he was assassinated. And before that, now the presidents... I think took turns between the white hats and the black hats and those who were fighting for what America was and what America could be and those who were striving to get us back into the bondage of slavery, debt slavery, to the crown and to whomever their masters were. And if you do enough research and you look back into history enough, you can find out who some of those masters are. Some of those masters are still in place today. And that's why my my main fight, my main my main topic of conversation was always around the central banks and the Federal Reserve, because that is the main root of control in the country. Because he who controls the money need not worry about who is president or who is king. For those who owe the debt are the slave to the debtor. They are the slave. They are the debtor. That's just the way it goes. So anyways, I found that Trump and his family stood for something more. And indeed, in the three to four years he has been president of the United States, he has dismantled and undone more of what these people who are going to sell out this country has done in any president prior. He's, he's finessed so greatly away from these individuals' plan. They're so pissed off. They're so mad. It's so great. But I also don't see Trump as the golden child. He's just the man that could get the job done. But to me, he's also just a figurehead, a spokesperson, spearheading what is actually a plan that has been in place and set up by the military and other elements in the military. And so that's pretty much where I stand. When I think about Trump, I could talk about his policies. I could talk about some of the things that he's set into motion and some of the things that he's done. I mean, he nationalized the Fed, which is something I never thought I would see in my lifetime. And 
was the main thing that I was thinking about from the jump 10 to 15 years ago when I woke up to politics and I woke up to what was going on in our country and abroad. But the message of Trump and his liberation of the sovereign human and the nation state as being sovereign and something gifted to us, a right that is beyond any reach of government control has gone worldwide. People in Hong Kong, people in Germany, people in Africa, people in South America, people all over the world recognize what this man has done. And if anything, he's woken a lot of us up. So I stand by this man. I call him Daddy Trump. And I can't wait for the next four years to see what's going to happen. He definitely has my vote. He definitely has my support. Thanks for listening to Queer Voice with Michael Aaron Gossadis. We are living in queer times. If you enjoy this podcast, be sure to check us out on Anchor, Breaker, Google Podcast, Stitcher, Spotify, Radio Public, and Pocket Caster. Tell your friends, spread the link or become a supporter. And thank you again.